Oops. There we go. <laughs> Good morning, church. How you doing? Still got a minute for morning. Happy Sabbath. You doing good this morning? No, you're not. I'm doing great. I'm excited. It's a great day for me. I love Sabbaths. It's my favorite day of the week. And I got one question for you today. Are you happy? Let's see. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Ah, I see some of you guys are like, not me. Not me. Not me. Yeah, some unhappy people in here. It's all right. Are you happy? Really? Are you happy? Tell the truth. Are you happy? You don't sound very convincing. But it's okay. It's okay. It's not just you. It's not just you. The world is sadder and angrier than ever. According to uh, two recently published studies, one, the World Happiness Report, another one called the Gallup Attitude Poll, the world is sadder and angrier than ever. It's not just you. It appears that all across the world, as these two uh, studies have taken place, measurements have taken place, people are experiencing high levels of anxiety, stress, anger, and just overall sadness. It's not just you. If you're happy here, you might be in the minority, certainly in some places. But, but not everyone is sad. Some people are happy. In fact, uh, the World Happiness Report also crowned the world's happiest country. Anybody want to guess who is number one in happiness? What country is the happiest in the world? Take a guess. Australia. Ne- Australia. Australia. Oh, uh, uh, Australia. Any- Bhutan. Bhutan. Oh, Bhutan. Okay, somebody else. Disneyland. Disneyland. A kind of country unto itself. Yeah, anybody else? Happiest country in the world? Denmark. Canada. Ooh, I like Canada. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, uh, not Canada. Happiest country in the world, Finland. Anybody guess what? What? Finland. Finland is number one for the second year in a row. Finland is number one. It's fascinating. As I was reading the report, and you know, you can read it online, World Happiness Report. You can find it for yourself. It's fascinating. Uh, But according to their, their research, Uh, Finland ranks as the number one country in terms of happiness. But the fascinating thing about their study is that they had to define happiness. And according to the World Happiness Report, they use six characteristics to define happiness. I'm going to read to you what they are because they're fascinating. Uh, In terms of finding whether a country is happy or not, they looked at uh, good life expectancy. Do people live long there? Are they going to live to a ripe old age? Uh, Number two, they looked at freedom. Do people have the freedom to make their own choices, uh, live their own life, Um, gross domestic product? Are people making money? Is the country producing something? Is there an absence of corruption? Is there social support? And is there generosity? If you take these six factors, Finland comes out number one. Uh, Anybody want to guess where the U.S. ranks? Uh, there's at least 156 countries in the survey. 156, okay. Somebody else? <laughs> Not happy there, okay. Anybody else? The U.S.? Where does the U.S. rank? In the middle, in the 50s? You think we made top 50? No one. Oh, see, you're not happy. You, 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 tried, you clapped your hand and all, but you're like, not us. Uh. Um, you think we make uh, uh, top 30? Top 20. Okay, well, that's some positive people. I got one positive person in the room. God bless him. One positive person. Turns out the U.S. came in ranked 19th. 19th. That's right. 19th. 
I, I'm telling you, it's these categories, though. Life expectancy, gross uh, domestic product, et cetera, those categories, 19th. Uh, let me show you the top 10. Look at this. Top 10. Finland, Denmark, Norway, Iceland, Netherlands, Switzerland, Sweden, New Zealand. Oh, Canada. Canada is in there. Austria. Nothing but Nordic countries in there. What are they doing over there? What's going on, right? What's going on? In fact, I read an article last night that Ikea was going to send you to Sweden to find out the secret to happiness. You just got to buy Ikea stuff, apparently. They're willing to pay for you to go and find out the secret to happiness. And certainly in Finland, they're trying to figure this out. New Zealand, chapter um, number eight. Do you know that New Zealand has a happiness budget for their citizenship? That's right. They have a federal budget that's based on their citizens' happiness. Measuring happiness instead of defense or economy. They have a, they have a happiness budget. Fascinating, right? The U.S. comes in at number 19. What you may not be surprised to know is that they used to be ranked as high as 14, but we've been on a trend of going down. Does that surprise you? Clearly not. You all didn't think we'd make the top 50. <laughs> yes, that's right. But the truth is, around the world, people around the world are sadder, angrier, and more fearful than ever before. Both the Happiness Report and the Gallup Attitude Poll reveals that people are experiencing emotions and feelings to higher levels than we ever experienced before. And in particular, here in the U.S., look at this, Americans' stress, worry, and anger intensified last year, 2018. Maybe it was catastrophes, fires, political turmoil, but according to the research, Americans' stress, worry, and anger intensified in 2018. Let me show you the levels. Three lines there, green on top, uh, some dark green in the middle, and uh, lavender at the bottom. The lowest one there, you see it, but you can sort of tell that it dipped and then now it's trending up. That represents anger. 22% of Americans in 2018 expressed anger. So the questions were, did you experience this yesterday? And they experienced anger, which means it's fairly present in their lives. The middle one there is worry. 45% of Americans uh, now, 40% last year, but in, the 18, in 2018, 45%. And get this, the top one is stress. 55% of Americans say they are experiencing stress on a daily level. So what's going on, family? Are you happy? <laughs> uh, are you happy? Or does this, this picture reflect more of your reality? Anger, stress, and worry. Are you happy? Well, it appears that Americans are not, or are, I should say are increasingly less happy. And that's what we want to talk about today. What's going on? What can we do about it? Because, see, I don't think that we were supposed to be part of this graph. No, look, look. Bible has something to say about the situation. So <clears throat> just a, a, a warning. I'm going to go fast today. There's a lot of ground to cover. So if you, uh, if you, if you want to catch up, you can take a picture, digest it later, download the, the sermon and, and listen to it on slow speed, or just buckle up. We're going to read a lot of text, we're going to look at a lot of slides. I just want you to hang in there. Don't quit, don't give up, don't check out. Here we go. You ready? Let's do it. Proverbs 17, 22, the Bible says, a joyful heart is good medicine. Good what? Good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Proverbs says that a joyful heart brings health, brings good things, but a crushed spirit, sadness, anger, and anxiety dries up the bones. Are your bones dried up today? The Word of God does not want us to have dry, brittle bones. God wants us to have a joyful heart and bring good health to ourselves. 
But while we're talking about it, let's explain what we're after. Happiness. Obviously, a lot of people define happiness differently. That report had those six characteristics. The Gallup poll report is basically asking, are you angry? Are you upset? Do you experience anxiety? Webster's Dictionary defines happiness as the state of well-being and contentment. The state of well-being and contentment is being you're doing well and you feel good about it, which doesn't always come together, right? You might be doing well, but you're not happy about it. And I don't know if you can see it there, but Webster says that's kind of what joy is, to be well and to be happy about it, to feel good about it. That's how it defines joy, I mean happiness. I think joy is the key component there because we just read a joyful heart is good medicine. I want to read to you another one, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the greatest, wisest person that ever lived wrote these words and he said, I know that there is nothing better. Listen, listen, I know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. Amen? Nobody? Amen? Nothing better than to be happy and to do good. Listen, he goes on, he says that each of them should eat and drink and find satisfaction in all of their toil. This is the gift from God. Look at what Ecclesiastes is saying. That God's wish, that his intention, that the best thing for us is that we, would, that we would be happy, that we would find satisfaction in our work. So let me ask you, are you happy with your job? Okay, we got one. Are you happy with your job? Do you like what you do? Are you satisfied? Okay, we got one. Thank you. Appreciate it. How about the rest of y'all? <laughs> the wish of God, the design of God, it is the gift of God that we would find satisfaction in our toil. Not that we would avoid toil, because that is our lot. We must work. But that we would find satisfaction in our toil. I want to make sure that you understand here, <clears throat> happiness here, be happy and to do good. The word happy there in this particular version uh, of Scripture, uh, in the original language, is Asher, which is the same word that represents blessed. It's where Asher's name comes from, my son. It means happy or blessed. It's that same word. And, and what Ecclesiastes is saying here is that there's nothing better for us than to recognize that we are indeed blessed. That we are indeed blessed. So here it is. You ready for this? Here's my summer challenge. I, I promise you, I will challenge you every day. This is the fourth Sabbath of our summer challenge series. Uh, uh, by the way, did anyone take my challenge last week? Did you sleep in at nine? Anybody? No, you didn't. Okay. Uh, no, it's kind of hard. Okay, I've got, okay, nine. Uh, it was tough at my house. I'll just be honest with you. I, I challenged you last week for one week to prioritize rest. So go to bed by nine. It was tough, especially board, board meeting didn't get out till after nine. But I did do one thing. I wanna, uh, I'm, I'm super proud of myself. Every night, starting Saturday night, when I got home and I got my pajamas, I took my iPad and my phone and I talked to them sweetly. I love you, I love you boo, you know, but I'm gonna have to escort you out of my room. My wife can be my witnesses, my witness. And I put them in the closet and I closed the door and I went back. And then I looked over at my wife and was like, you're gonna take the challenge? She was like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but, but here's the truth. I slept more thoroughly through the night. I was able to sleep longer through the night, more rested. And just last night, the little report came in you know, the, the screen time report, and I was 34% down for the week, 34%.
I didn't realize how much swiping I was doing at night. Are you doing it? 95% of 18 to 29 year olds sleep with their phone next to them. Remember we read this last week? <laughs> so I'm challenging you. Prioritize rest. Swipe less. Rest more. But here's my challenge for you today. Honor God with your joy. Is it actually possible to honor God with our joy? I do believe it is. I came across this, uh, this uh, article that says, nine things that actually make you happy according to science. Nine things scientifically proven that can actually make you happy. Anybody want to guess what number one is? Come on, people. We just talked about it. Get more sleep. Get more sleep. According to science, you are happier if you sleep more. You know this because you try to wake up somebody who hasn't slept and they are grumpy. Don't look at them right now. Don't look at them right now. Yeah. If you're like, no, I don't know what you're talking about, you're the grumpy one. <laughs> That's people have to wake you up. Yeah, if you don't know who it is, it's you. Get more sleep. It actually improves your mood. Number two, exercise. We, we spent the whole Sabbath, this is the beginning of the month. Exercise increases chemicals in your body that release good feelings. Happiness comes as a direct result of exercise. Did you know that spending time outdoors is also not just exercise, but exercise outdoors has a great effect. I told you this, uh, the, the first day of the, uh, of the service of this month has a great effect in your mood and your health being outdoors. This is the number four that they listed in the article, find meaning. And if you read the, the small print there, it says this is really complicated because different people find meaning in different ways. But finding meaning, finding something, is their way of saying, do you have a purpose? Is there a reason for your existence? Do you know who you are and why you are, find meaning. And the last one that I'll read to you from the list, number five, is maintaining relationships. Maintaining relationships. So my challenge, my summer challenge to you is, because the statistics show, and you've demonstrated, that you are not exactly happy, that there's stress, worry, sadness, and anger in your life. Uh, I want us to reverse that trend, and I'm going to challenge you to honor God with our joy. Are you ready for this? You ready? You ready for a challenge? Here's challenge number one. Listen, by the way, there's four days left in July. Four days. I want you to try one thing different each day. Four, four things left in July. Now, if you're looking at me like this, I know you're not going to do it. So if you want to, you know, make me feel better, pretend like you're taking notes. Take a selfie with it. Then I'll feel like, okay, they're paying attention. But if you're like, uh, I'll feel bad already. Okay? So here we go. Number one. Number one. Here we go. Forgive more. Resent less. Forgive more, resent less. You know what the Bible has to say about this? The Bible says this. Uh, Mark 11, chapter, 25, uh, chapter 11, verse 25 says, And when you stand at church praying, when you're there trying to pray to God, but if you hold anything against someone, go and forgive them. Go and forgive them. You know, the New Testament says, if you're bringing your offering of praise, but you, you know that you have offended someone, someone has offended you, he says, put that down. Go and make amends. Then come and bring your offering. Forgive them. In fact, Ephesians goes on to say, get rid of all bitterness. Be compassionate to one another and forgive one another. Does it make a difference, though? Does forgiveness actually help? Well, science says it does. Harvard Research just put this out. Forgiveness actually affects your physical health. I don't know if you can read it, the small print, but it says this. Good news. Studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health. Forgiveness can lower your 
risk for heart attack, improve your cholesterol level and your sleep, reducing pain, reducing blood pressure, anxiety, depression, and stress. And research points to an increase in the forgiveness health connection as you age. The more you age, the exponentially more the benefits of forgiving blesses your health. Isn't that good news? Not to you because you're like, ain't going to do it, right? You're like, I ain't going to do it. Pastor, you just don't know. You don't understand. Well, here's the thing, friends. Americans are angry. 22% are angry every day. You may have experienced it in this past week. Americans are angry. How are we going to let go of this anger? Are you angry today? No, not so much? Sometimes I wonder, because you look at me angrily, and I don't know. Sometimes. Yeah, show me some teeth, then I'll know you're not mad. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. But a lot of times you're like, you got that pursed lip. I'm not sure. Are you angry? How are we going to let go? I'm going to introduce you to two words, two phrases, actually, that I believe are the most powerful in English language. And um, <clears throat> uh, you've heard them before, but, but, but I want to reiterate them in, in our community today. You ready? Here we go. Number one, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Here's what we're going to do. Turn to the person next to you, friend or uh, stranger, and just, we're just going to practice. This doesn't mean anything. You're not really saying it. We're just practicing. Turn to them, look them in the eye, and say, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Try it. <laughs> you know, this is a fascinating uh, social experiment because from where I sit, I see it all. Some of you turn to each other and you go, you first. <laughs> what? And then when somebody, okay, ready? I'm sorry. You better be. It's hard, isn't it? Even just pretending, isn't it? See, resentment has, has had a grip on us and especially on us Americans. You know, the funny thing about being American in 2019 is, is that people are so easily offended, right? Even when you didn't mean to, they just, people get mad so quickly, and they start to tweet and whatever and, and send Yelp reviews, and it's so harsh. And you know what I heard on the radio on NPR just yesterday? as they're doing this big uh, research on the impact of Russian and Iranian interference on, on U.S. elections, et cetera, is that, is that uh, these, these uh, I think it's called the research agency, national research agency, they, they, they prey upon our, how easily offended we are. And they take a news story and exacerbate it, and they're able to get Americans to come out and protest something that didn't actually happen because they're just so upset. One example was in the Northwest, uh, these bots uh, heard a story. There's some, some kids got in trouble, but instead of just reporting the news, this, these uh, internet agencies proposed that they were immigrant students who at knife point raped a teenage girl. And then in a short amount of time, these well-meaning Americans were protesting uh, the, the judges and the authorities who weren't revealing these names when it actually never happened. Why? Because people are so easy offended and ready to jump on a cause, ready to jump on an issue, ready to be vindicated because we resent, we get mad, we want to protest. But the Word of God says, a soft answer takes away wrath. I'm sorry. And the second most powerful phrase in the English language, or, or I would say the, the most powerful, is I forgive you. So try that one. Turn to the person next to you and say, I forgive you. 
It's really quiet in here. <laughs> I can't hear you. <laughs> you know, you know what Americans have gotten really good at doing? Making an apology that isn't an apology. Sorry, not sorry, right? Uh, it's a very, very uh, well-known politician's approach, spinning, you know, well, it, you know, they say, you know, uh, if I've offended anyone, it wasn't my, you know, I didn't mean to do it, they say, but, you know, I had to say this, I had to do that. A way of apologizing, sorry if you got offended. Sorry if this bothered you. Well, you know, if this is, sorry, you know, I forgive you is non-existent. I grew up in a household where my dad just would not forgive. He held on to stuff for decades and decades and decades. And whenever I talked to him, my dad would say, I can't forgive you. Because if I do, you're going to walk all over me. You, you know some people like that? We're just so afraid that there's a debt that must be paid, and they're going to hang on to it. See, that's what it's like in my culture, and my wife's culture is the same. When something goes wrong, oh, somebody writes it down somewhere, and they keep it for safekeeping. Are you one of those? And you just hang on to it. You're like, no, I'm not going to pull it out now. I'm just going to wait for the right time. I'm just going to wait for the right time. And then suddenly when someone's like, oh, oh Mm -mm. Remember the time? I forgive you cancels debt. So how are we going to get rid of our anger? I'm sorry, and I forgive you. Forgive more, resent less. Look at it again. 22% are angry just on a daily basis. Uh, the next thing I want you to see is the very top line there. 55% are stressed. Are you stressed? Are you stressed? When you go to the doctor... Do they say, hey, what's going on at work? Because your blood pressure is a little high. Are you stressed? Are, uh, is that what's happening in your life? Or are you like this morning's group, a lot of Hakuna Matatas in this morning, a lot of, a lot of Timons, and they're just singing and having a good time, loving each other. You guys don't look so Hakuna Matata in here right now. You're looking a little stressed. Americans, American family, how are we going to relieve our stress? How can we relieve stress? Obviously, we talked about sleep. We talked about exercise. We talked about eating diet, but here's what I want to propose to you. I think we need to recognize that we are blessed and be grateful. So here's my challenge, summer challenge number two. More gratitude, less entitlement. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say amen. You've been around this week, you've been places, and you're like, my goodness. Some people just think they deserve everything, yeah, yeah? It'll, you know, wouldn't it be great if there was a little more gratitude and a little less Entitlement? This is what the Word of God says. As God's chosen people, Colossians 3.12, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another as the Lord forgave you. Let the message of Christ dwell among you, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Were you singing with gratitude in your hearts this morning? And whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, giving thanks to the God, God the Father, giving thanks. More gratitude, less entitlement. But does it make a difference? Does it make a difference? Well, according to the research, it actually does. Uh, a research recently published by Berkeley said that um, you can cultivate joy by practicing gratitude. You can cultivate joy 
by practicing gratitude. They took a number of volunteers who were experiencing high stress and high anxiety because they were having to care for a disabled family member. And they put them through a five-week course on practicing gratitude. And that they found that at the end of these five weeks, everyone in the study reported, on average, a decrease in stress of 16% and a decrease in anxiety of 14% just by practicing gratitude. I'm going to give you some of the things that they said they did in the five-week course. Five-week course study. But you can start today. Look, start a daily gratitude journal. Aim to find little things that you're grateful for, such as a cup of coffee, a pretty sunrise, or this beautiful weather that we're having. Simple. Next one, look. Practice, I love this one, positive reappraisal. Identify an event that seems like a hassle, but then reframe it in a positive light. For example, they said, you're stuck in traffic. Ugh, everybody hates traffic. But maybe you can enjoy the quiet time. Turn down the radio, close the windows, and spend some time in quiet time. It's a reframing. And they said that if you practice this, it can reduce anxiety and stress. Do you agree? Only one person agrees. I get it. I get it. You're stressed. You're like, this is not going to work for me. But, but research shows that gratitude improves physical health. Look at this. According to a 2012 study published, grateful people experience fewer aches and pains and report feeling healthier. Grateful people are more likely to take care of their health, more likely to exercise, more likely to, great, to get regular checkups. Gratitude improves psychological health. It releases toxic emotions from envy to resentment, frustration, and regret. Gratitude helps. Look at this one. Gratitude enhances empathy and reduces aggression. You got an you aggressive person in your life? Are they sitting next to you right now? Tell them to practice some gratitude. Gratitude. I found this one fascinating. Increases mental strength. A 2006 published report in Behavioral Research Therapy found that Vietnam vets with higher levels of gratitude, experience lower rates of post-traumatic stress disorder. Gratitude can help you cope with PTSD if you've been in the theater of war. Simple gratitude. Research shows that gratitude changes your brain. They did a simple study where they invited someone to write a gratitude letter, like the kind we just read. They wrote this gratitude letter, and then they did brain scans and found that there was great different activity in those that wrote the letters versus those that didn't. And they did the scans again three months later, 12 weeks later, and they found that their brain chemistry was still different for having written one gratitude letter three months prior. It does and it can help. Gratitude changes your brain. So I want to propose to you four simple rhythms of gratitude if we're going to be more grateful and resent less. Here's what I propose we do. Reframe what I just discussed there. Reframe. You're in a situation. Try to look at it from a different angle. Reframe. Recall. Continue to remind yourself. That's what a gratitude list is of good things that have happened. Has there been any good in your life today? Has there been any good this past week? Because we tend to focus on the negative. But can we focus and recall the positive? And then recount. Tell somebody about it. Tell somebody, but no matter how small, this is a good cup of coffee. I really like this dress. This smells good. Tell somebody. The act of recounting improves your ability to retain and rejoice. Remember what we read last week? Ariana Huffington says your last act before you go to bed, write something that you feel blessed by. 
Let it be the closing scene of your night. Let it be the closing scene of your night. I'm just offering them to you because, look, you're stressed, you're angry, and you're worried. You are worried. A number of Americans, or some of us in here, can't sleep because we are racked with worry. We go to bed from exhaustion, but the mind won't stop. And it alerts us and wakes us up in the middle of the night. And of course, we turn to our friend, Mr. iPhone, and swipe, swipe, swipe to try to dull it away, but it won't stop. So Americans, how are we going to deal with our worry? Are you worried today? Okay, somebody's not. Are you all worried today? Well, there's obviously lots to be worried about. In one word, here's what I'm going to propose to you. Challenge number three, one word. Generosity. What? Generosity. The Word of God says this, a generous person will prosper because whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Friends, don't you want to be refreshed? Don't you want something to wash over you and refresh you and, and wash the worries away? That's what the Bible says. So, so in 1 Timothy, Paul says, command them to do good and be rich in good deeds and be generous and be willing to share. See, I believe we worry not because we don't have enough. We worry because we have too much. Amen? Amen? Now, I know it doesn't apply for everyone, but I think in America, the vast majority of us have too much, and that's our concern. I think we're under a curse, the same kind of curse that was spoken about in Haggai. You plant much, but you harvest little. You eat, but you just never get your fill. You drink, and it's not enough. You put on clothes, but you're never warm. Your closets are full. There's no room for more, and still you go shopping because you have nothing to wear. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. The paycheck just goes away. You don't know where it went. Am I speaking truth, family? It feels like a curse to me. Ecclesiastes says this, whoever loves money never has enough, and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Are you satisfied where you are, how much you're getting paid for what you're doing? Is it good enough? Or do you look around and say, oh, I wish I had more. I wish I was doing more. I wish I was valued more. See, all this worrying about what we have, because I think we have too much, it creates a cycle of worry, stress, overworking, and, and worse, currently worse, living a life by comparison. Living a life by comparison. Looking around and seeing, oh, what are others doing? What's going on in other people's lives? What are your friends up to? What are they driving? Where are they traveling to? What are they eating? What are they buying? What are they wearing? What are they posting? What are they liking? Living a life by comparison, and God's answer to that is give more and demand less. Give more and demand less. I met a fantastic uh, man. He's my hero, one of my heroes. His name is Eugene Cho. And this is what he says. Generosity is what keeps the things I own from owning me. Generosity isn't just intended to bless others. It's meant to liberate me. Liberate me. I saw him in person. He said, God gave us generosity to save us from our own greed, from our own greed. Give more and demand less. And is there, does it help? Is there any benefits to giving money? Check this out. According to research uh, that World, World, World 
happiness report, they found in one of the sections that there's a direct correlation with giving to happiness. That's right, giving to happiness. Individuals, I don't know if you can read there, uh, this, this, this comes from various sources, but what they found, I found this fascinating. They said, um, even in Americans, individuals who spend more money in a typical month by providing gifts and donating to charity reported greater happiness. Hello, tithes and offerings, people. Meanwhile, how much money people reported spending on themselves was unrelated to their happiness. You can buy, 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 click, 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 one button clicks for yourself, but it won't move the needle. But when you give to others, when you give for others, it increases your happiness. Even amongst Americans, even amongst Americans and the world over. Of course, of course. Why? Because God loves a, a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. So my challenge to you is to give more and to demand less. I want to pause here, and because I got some teenagers in the room, I need to talk to parents and teenagers. Listen, we got a problem. It's a big one, and we need to do something about it. We can't just wink at it. Do you know who the, who the uh, most stressed people in America are? And who are the angriest? Take, take a look at this. Uh, which Americans are most stressed, worried, and angry? Younger Americans between the age of 59 and 49 are the most stressed. If you look at it, between 59 and 29, are 64% stressed and 32% angry. Our young people are angry and they are stressed, experiencing an enormous amount of pressure, unlike what we've seen before. I want you to take a close look at this graph. Right there are the general happiness of 8th, 10th, and 12th graders. 12th is the pink, 8th is the blue, 10th is the purple. You see how in 1991, <clears throat> it was low, but it rose, it rose, and around 2006 or 2007, it begins a sharp decline. Then again in 2012, a steep decline, and now it's trending. For the last eight, nine years, it's going straight down. Happiness in our teenagers and our high school students is going down the drain. Do you know why? Do you have any, any guesses? I'm going to show you this. It shocked me, but it shouldn't. These are two opposing lines. You see those lines at the very top? <clears throat> those are sleep, the green is sleep, the blue is happiness, the, the purple is uh, in-person social interaction, and the one that's going up is internet hours. The more internet hours, the less sleep, happiness, and face-to-face so, and, and -face interaction. I find that just, just fascinating. Worse, worse, worse. Take a look at this. Uh, this is what it says. Studies found that adolescents who spend more time on digital media are lower in their well-being. For example, moms, listen, please, moms, listen. Girls who spend five or more hours a day on social media are three times more likely to be depressed than those that do not use heavy social media. Listen, moms, please pay attention. Listen. This is iGen Teens, the kids that my daughter uh, it says, activities related to smartphones and digital media are linked to less happiness because they are not sleeping, they don't interact face-to-face, -face, and look, they don't attend religious services because some attend and then just swipe in the room. And the end result is less happiness, less sleep, less face-to-face -face interaction. And we've got to do something about it. 
The possibility that are happy because their increased time on digital media has displaced the time the previous generation spent on doing things that were beneficial, but now they don't do that anymore because they just spend their time on the device. You know what I found fascinating? I just want you to look. I want you to look. Look at this graph. Yes, in 1991, Gulf War, there was a bunch of problems, but, but, but teenage happiness rose steadily until it reaches the peak in 2007. You see that? You see the peaks there? That's 2007, at the very top, that's 2007. 12th graders, 10th graders, and 8th graders all experiencing this peak, and then there's a sharp decline in 2007. You know what happens in 2007? Anybody take a guess? June of 2007. June of 2000, I know blasphemy, right, Dave? Blasphemy, but... June in 2007, the world changed, the iPhone came out, the thing that's burning a hole in your pocket right now, that you want to, just right now, you're like dying to, you're dying to flick it open. Look at it again. Start the steep decline. In 2006, smartphones became widely available. 2007, the iPhone launched, and for teenagers, it's beginning this huge drop. And what you see in 2012, in 2012, uh, that's the period in U.S. history where the majority of Americans have smartphones. The majority of Americans have smartphones. By 2018, 95% of all teenagers have smartphones. Yeah, my daughter's the lucky 5%. Sorry, baby. <laughs> I know it's coming, but God, I want to protect her, don't you? Those are the facts, family. I'm telling you. It's right there. You know why? Because the thing about that phone is that there's no filter in it. And you are not controlling what's coming through the gate. And it's coming hard, and it's coming fast. And worse, it's creating a false reality. So they're able to talk and say things they would never say face-to-face. -face, and they hurt each other and live life by comparison. Likes. Listen to the language, followers, influencers. I love Instagram. We have a hashtag. But there's got to be a place where you and I take responsibility for the health of our children. Amen? There's got to be a time we stand up and take responsibility and hold the gate. We cannot allow this to continue. It isn't right. It isn't fair. It is not godly. It is not what we were entrusted to do. We got to step in, Dad. We got to step in, Mom. And you know how? You've got to put the phone down. I know this is my problem, too. Listen, I got the biggest one in the room. But we've got to do it, friends. We've got to do it. So here's my summer challenge. Let's honor him with our joy. Let's put the phone down. Let's interact face to face. Let's get outdoors. Let's do something other than just drift away in that screen. It's dominating us. It owns us. It calls you. You know, research says that we Americans are an addictive society, and we seem to be addicted to the social media and to the news and to the outlets and the constant influx. Worse, due to Alexa constantly listening on your conversations, they're creating... A, they're creating a thought vacuum for you. You know that the only things that come to your phone, suggestions, are things they already know you're going to like. 
So they're narrowing your scope of thought. So you only hear the news, see the news, and the Facebook posts that you already like. It, 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 it's preying upon you, and it's manipulating you. And we cannot allow that, for we are not meant to be slaves, but we're meant to be free, to live as free people by doing the will of God. So here's my challenge. Let's trust in him more and less trust in me. Amen? More trust in him, less trust in me. For he who hears the word wisely will find good, but whoever trusts in the Lord, oh, happy is he. Trust in the Lord, happy is he. Here's what I'm telling you, friends. Here's what I think follower means. Not, not Facebook, not, not, not Instagram, not tweets or hashtags. Here's what I think follower means. Just like the names of the four boys in Daniel. Forgiveness is grace given. Forgiveness is grace given. Thankfulness for blessings. We've got to learn that we have received, that we have received blessings and be grateful for that. Generosity is liberating. We have to practice giving it away. And we can only find our meaning in trusting God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Say it. Come on, read it with me. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. You knew this growing up, but we've got to bring it into reality. I found it fascinating. I was reading these reports. People that, that do the sleep research, the, the mental health research, they won Nobel Peace Prizes, not Peace Prize, Nobel Prizes for research on stuff that we already knew. A little old lady over 100 years ago said this, pure air, sunlight, abstemiousness, rest, exercise, proper diet, use of water, and trust in the divine power, these are true remedies. Somebody say amen. Over a hundred years ago, little old lady, uneducated, telling us the truth of God, the true remedies, exercise, diet, get outdoors, drink plenty of water, get some rest, do some exercise, and trust in the divine power. Somebody say amen. amen. Trust in the divine power. So here's my summer challenge to you. Four days in July, just four days, family, four days, and try them. Number one, forgive more and resent less. Here's what you do tomorrow. Tomorrow, I want you to choose to forgive someone. There's somebody in your life who offended you, maybe a long time ago, maybe recently. And I want you to choose to take a risk and forgive them. And you have the guts and you have the courage. Say these words out loud to them or even to yourself. I cancel the debt that you owe me. You don't have to pay me back. I release you from the hurt that you've caused me. I forgive you. Forgive someone. Day two, Monday, Monday. More gratitude, less entitlement. Make a gratitude list on Monday. When you go to bed, when you get up, whenever is your time, sit down for just a second and for just a few moments, make a list of all the things God has blessed you. Look at, the, look at that wonderful young man that's sitting next to you, your son, your husband, your boyfriend, your, your friend, these grandkids. I'm so blessed today. I'm super proud. Daughter, my son, to get to do this as a family. That's what I want to go to bed with every night. Recognition that God has looked down upon me with favor and that I will not let go and I will not forget. So make a gratitude list. Number three, Tuesday. Give more and demand less. Okay, get ready. Give some of your money away. You don't have to give it here to the church. We don't mind, but we don't have to do it. Give it to somebody. There's somebody right around you 
who needs the abundance that you already have. Give some of your money away. It doesn't have to be a lot. Pray for it. God will literally give you a number, and it will liberate you like you've never, you would never believe it. And it will multiply your life because you cannot give him. You cannot do it. And I have living proof. On Wednesday, I'm driving this big bus that God gave me because at the right time, I gave some money away. And he made impossible things possible. I'm driving it on Wednesday. So I'm challenging you, give some of your money away. And on the last day of this month, more trust in him, less trust in me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to claim your personal promise from God. The Bible is full of promises. Find one for yourself in this seed. Maybe it's a promise for blessing or healing or restoration, reconciliation. But claim one for yourself. For the word of God says, seek first the kingdom and all his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. So here's my summer challenge. These four weeks together. Let's honor God with our bodies. Amen. Okay, just got one. All right, it's fine. Let's honor God with our diet. Let's honor God with our rest, and let's honor God with our joy. Sit less, move more. Hey, we're still going out tomorrow. Roar Park, 8 a.m. We've been having a great time the last three weeks. Tomorrow we run the full three miles, 3.2. It's 5K, so if you want to walk it, come walk it, come run it, come jog it, come stare at us, make fun. I don't care. Get outdoors, breathe the good air, sit less, move more. More green, less red, less white. I've been eating a lot of salad, and I feel good. I feel good. Do I look good? Hmm. More water, less sugar. More water, less sugar. And please, 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 moms, dads, daughters, sons, swipe less. Rest more. More trust in him, less trust in me. Because our spiritual obedience is trained by our physical obedience. Simple. Four days. Forgive. Be grateful. Give and trust God more. Are you with me, friends? The thing is, friends, my, my desire in the month of July was to, yeah, challenge you and maybe inspire you, but more like encourage you. See, I, I'm convinced that this life, the one that we live right now, is beautiful. And yes, I want to go to heaven. And yes, I want all this turmoil to end, but I'm just so convinced that God gave us this one for a reason and that he meant for us to enjoy it fully and to receive every blessing of every day. And I just want you to have that too. I want you to have this sense that by honoring him with all that we are, we receive all that he intends for us. So that's my promise to you for myself and my challenge, that I would honor him with all that I am. Are you with me? Are you with me? Let's stand and sing this song of dedication. And we would honor God with all that we are. And as we sing, I encourage you, I challenge you to pray and talk to him and commit to him all of your ways, your diet, your body, your rest, everything that is in you because it all comes from him. All good things come from the Father and he is good and he wants to give you good things into his hands.